So, um, I don't know about you, but that knitting life group sounds pretty exciting. I've been giving Dara a hard time about it um, <clears throat> because I did, I did admit to her that my grandmother uh, made me learn how to crochet when I was a kid. So I do know some of that stuff. <clears throat> um, so, uh, too, because I'm getting a lot of questions. A lot of you know that I've been having problems with my eyes, and, and um, the, the last few days I was not, or, or earlier in the week I was not feeling well, things like that. So I went to the ophthalmologist, and there's, there was something wrong. There was um, extreme dry eye, but the, the doctor wasn't exactly sure why or whatever. But because of that, uh, it, has, it, it changed the shape of my eyeball, uh, both of them. And, uh, and I didn't know that was a possible thing, but it is. And it, actually, it's not that uncommon, she said, because my prescription has completely changed. Uh, in, in less than three weeks, I went from not being able to see distance for years. That's 20 years. But in the last three weeks, that's changed, and I have better than 20-20 vision distance but I can't read. I can't see things up close. In fact, my type style is about 25 or 30 right now on my iPad because I can't see. Everything's blurry right here, but it's perfect. I don't know. I had never heard of that. I thought that was a strange thing. I thought that was a voodoo or something like that. But, um, but no, the doctor said that's kind of a normal thing. They're going to figure out why probably infection or something that caused this to begin with. Um, and then when they figure that out, I'm all good. And I, I guess I go back and get different kinds of glasses. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, she said it may change back. She doesn't know all that stuff. But, um, <clears throat> but I feel better. And I can now see the alcove back there. I hadn't been able to see. I didn't know if there were people back there for years. Uh, so a building update, where we are with this. I think we've pretty much got um, to the point where now we're just waiting on the city to give us uh, the building permit. And, um, and we have no idea when that's going to be because it's the city, and so we're waiting on that, and I think uh, we've got a lot of other stuff that's done, like the, the, uh, the um, construction drawings and things like that, and uh, so, so we're, we're moving forward. We're ready to do this. Um, I'm going to go get some shovels this week, and, uh, and you know, you, you always do this, like, special thing where you, you get gold shovels, right, and you put them in the ground, but I really like purple. I really like purple. Purple's my favorite color. So, um, I don't know. We may, we may mix it up a, a little bit for this. I, I have been trying to keep us updated on everything that uh, has been happening with the uh, transition, uh, the presidential transition. <clears throat> there's, there's too many things that have happened since Wednesday to keep us updated, but I do want to mention a couple of things. One of the first things, you know, this is the first week of, of this new um, regime, and for, for the blood of kids, is, is driving me crazy with this. They've already started making all kinds of rules having to do with abortion, so that even if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, it will still be legal to have uh, abortions in the United States. This, I mean, this was like out of the get-go, they were, they were uh, striving for this, pushing for this. Is there something wrong about that? That's evil. There's, there, there's a demonic element to this, and I think we understand that in our society, that, that there is such a, a uh, literally a bloodlust for, for the, the unborn, 
that, that's, um, that's, that's extremely dangerous for our country, and has been for a very long time. But it also lets you know where we're headed, uh, what's going to be happening. There's all kinds of other stuff. You can look up things uh, that have been happening. <clears throat> I would say this. I'm getting a lot of questions about um, the, um, whether, whether you should get the uh, vaccine or not, what's called the vaccine for COVID. Here's my sense with this. Everybody is a, you know, make your own decision. That's, that's the way I look at this. I, I'm not pro-vaccine necessarily. Um, but here's what I would strongly suggest uh, in the process of trying to figure some of this stuff out. As always, I encourage, do your homework. Before you do something like this, do your homework. Um, all the doctors out there, even though they're calling it a vaccine, they're admitting that this is not a vaccine. It's, vaccines are totally different. What you do with a vaccine, how a vaccine happens with, with dead cells of that particular whatever, and then you put that in the body, that is not what this is for coronavirus. So I would say if you get an opportunity, go to um, America's Frontline Doctors. If you remember when all this was first started happening, there was a, about uh, 25 doctors that stood outside of the uh, Supreme Court and they had a press conference, and immediately their hospital started firing them. Remember that? Uh, this group is, is many, it's not 25, this is many, many hundreds, hundreds strong of doctors now. Uh, go to America's Frontline Doctors and read about this stuff. You can't go to, to liberal places and read about it because they're all in the, in the tank for this, but... Go and just do your homework before you get something like a vaccine that goes into your body that you cannot change later. At least go investigate it so that if you do get the, the coronavirus shot, that um, you know what you're getting. That, that would be my suggestion with, um, with just the questions. And so as we continue with all of the things that we're doing in our country, I still think our priority is pray for justice and pray for truth. All right, we're going, to see, we're going to see a lot of things with COVID lighten up. We know that. Um, it has to now because now the good guys are in power, and the good guys want to be seen as good guys. And so we're going to see a lot of things change over the next few months. But don't think that, um, that uh, the, the, the governmental control that they use um, by using COVID is going to go away. They still have COVID in their back pocket. That's why I mentioned a couple months ago the first new strain of COVID has been found. It was found here in Colorado two, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, something like that. Um, it's a complete new strain of COVID, right? Why, why is that already uh, dribbling down into the news? In case they need that. In case they need that kind of control to, to manipulate the country uh, further. So yes, things are going to get a little bit better uh, for a little bit, but then it's, we're, we're gonna, it's going to be ramped up again in a lot of different ways. Uh, but, but as always, pay attention to the news. Pay attention to what's really going on. Turn off the TV news. Stop looking at all the goofy stuff on Facebook and get to real news. Places like Citizens Free Press, Breitbart, Newsmax, OAN, any of those kind of places, go to those places and, and, and read, study. Uh, when, they, when, they, when, they say, when they cite something in a document, go down to the bottom where the... the the information about that uh, citation is, and go check it out. Don't just take things for granted. Do your homework on stuff. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going on. So, so with all of that, <clears throat> I, I've been thinking about all, all of this, um, and, and in relationship to, I'm trying to help us 
develop us or something. And when I say us, I mean me too. Trying to figure, okay, what is the next step? We're, as the, as the, um, the pressure is going to mount, and we're going to start seeing literally before the end of February, we're going to start seeing um, attacks coming from the White House directly on the church and the freedoms of the church and the understandings of what we consider to be um, our, our foundation, our moral foundation, our biblical foundation of the church. And, and the reason that I know that, I'm not, I'm not prophesying, I'm not seeing I'm, I'm studying this stuff. There, there's already many um, appointees of the Biden-Harris administration that are in the White House that, are gonna, that have already been drawing up, and they've been making this public. This isn't like conspiracy stuff. They've already been saying this in public venues, that they are going to write up some guidelines and rules for our country because they believe that the, uh, that the church has had too much freedom in America and, to, and um, they're going to start trying to pull back some of this freedom of the church. And the reason is because that the church has this, um, this crazy conservative view, to quote the guy on CNN uh, from a few weeks ago, this crazy conservative view that is hindering and hurting our country from moving forward. So you're going to start seeing this very quickly. This, this was the reason that, that they worked so hard. This is why there was so much corruption and lying and everything to try to get this regime into the White House. And, and, and yes, I know what the word regime means. That's intentional. Um, <clears throat> to get this regime in the White House, because why? They have got to shut down Christianity. They've got to shut down the church, and they've got to shut down the strong conservative voices. This, this is not Democrat-Republican. This is liberal and conservatism. And, and they've got to shut down the, the voices. And guys, you're part of the voices. And so with that, I've been thinking about all of this, this, um, this, this hate that you're seeing, this just strong, vehement hate that's going on where somebody steps into a grocery store uh, without a mask and people will scream and cuss at them. That, that, there's something wrong with that thinking. There's something beyond that. When, the, when literally uh, four days into... The, the new presidential uh, guidelines, they've got to make sure, they've got to take a strong stand against any possibility that they might m- maybe overturn abortion. That we've got to fight for our right to murder babies. Why is there this, why is there this darkness and then there's this hate? It's unbridled kind of thing that we're seeing with with uh, Antifa mentalities and the BLM stuff, we're seeing this this attack, this hate, this this darkness, this evil, and and the fact that you would need <clears throat> twenty five thousand troops in Washington to make sure that the that the new regime comes in peacefully. Really, that really was an issue. <clears throat> Has that ever been an issue? Think about this. It's, it, it's because all of this stuff is fake. It's all fake, and it's all built upon manipulation, distrust, and, and hate. Anger and hate, anger and hate, just constantly, constantly anger and hate and anger, which is part of the reason that I, I keep encouraging us, stay off of Facebook. I, I know that, that Facebook itself is, is neutral in, in some concept, not Zuckerberg, but you understand what I'm saying. You can go on there, you see, you, you know... A, some, a pretty dog or cat pictures or something, you know, whatever. And, but, but if you make a, a statement, uh, you'll get attacked. And all of a sudden it becomes this, this, this vitriol back and forth and back and forth. I, I made that mistake. This was literally like 
three or four years ago, I made the mistake of taking a stance on something. And uh, on Facebook, what, what you say, well, shouldn't we take a stance? I, I do believe strongly we take a stance. I just don't think Facebook is the place. Because it's, it's, um, there's no accountability to anything at any, at any level. If, if, if you come up to me after serving, you say, well, I believe this, and I believe differently about it, I'll say, well, I believe this, that's, a, that's a taking a stance. When you just throw it out there and, and 50 people can say something on your post, and it looks like you're saying it now, or you're attacking, or you're doing something. And so I stopped doing it. Years ago, I stopped making any kind of controversial statements on Facebook. In fact, I very rarely ever, ever post. If I post, it's, it's literally like my grandkids. That's it. Um, because I don't, I don't think that's the format to have these kind of discussions. And I think it just, I think it just propagates anger and it propagates hate in people. Now, <clears throat> I'm not telling you, you it's wrong or anything like that. I'm just saying, think about this. Because when you put something on there, if you say later, well, I didn't want it to turn into that, then you should have thought about that at this point because you can't control what comes after. Okay, that's what I'm saying. And also getting your news off of Facebook, that's, that's a, anybody can say anything. Any, anybody can say anything. I, I was reading this stuff the other day where these guys were discussing back and forth whether or not the, the raid on the Capitol was because um, some of those people were aliens. I'm, they were dead serious, too. They were not joking. At first, I thought it was like the Babylon Bee or the Onion or something. I mean, hey, this is fine. And then I realized these two guys are serious. So we got to be careful where we're getting our information, what we're doing, that kind of stuff. Okay. Now, with this, this, this desire for control, this desire to shut down any kind of conservative voice or moral voice or whatever. And you understand it's going to get worse. It's interesting to me, all of the Christians that were talking up, up until the election and even the last few weeks about it's all going to be, it's all going to be okay. There's not going to be like major changes or all this kind of stuff. They seem to be very quiet this last half a week. When the first thing we do is make sure that we can murder babies. Make sure. Plus all the other stuff that I don't want to go into, but so what's our response as a church? This is, this is where we've been talking about the last few weeks, and I'm going to continue going on this. We're, we're trying to develop us and really say, okay, if, depending on what our next few steps are, I'm saying over the next year or two kind of thing, what our next two or three steps are as a church, major steps, um, are, are we ready, to, are we ready to, um, to, to, to take the responsibility? Okay, this, is, this has been a major thing plaguing the church for a long time. Uh, in American Western society, is we just don't take responsibility for the church. I'm not saying uh, the local church, although that's included, but I'm saying for the kingdom of God, we're not taking the responsibility like we should. Again, the questions that I ask always in this framework is, if, if, the, um, if the future of the kingdom of God was, was uh, dependent upon you, and, and you're the one setting the stage, in other words, the, the entire kingdom of God is going to pray like you pray. Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? And we go down the list, right? It, uh, witness, how many, how many people would be saved in the, uh, into the next generation if the entire kingdom of God witnessed as much as you witness? You, you understand what I'm saying? This, guys, we should be asking ourselves these kind of questions all the time because this is, no matter who you are, you're going to come to a point where there's a conviction. You're going to come to a point where the Holy Spirit says, look, the kingdom of God would suffer if... 
if, if it looked like you in this arena. And so that's where you say, okay, God, then help me in this arena. I need to do something different. In a different arena, you may be strong, and you know the kingdom of God will be healthy if everybody did the same as you did in that arena. But there are going to be places where you, when you begin to ask down the line, there's going to be a place where you say the kingdom of God would not be healthy. You need to work on that. You need to go there. Why? Because this is taking responsibility for the kingdom of God. We've got to learn how. We have not been taught this. This is not our culture in America. We have a spectator culture in America. We come to church and we watch. We come to church and we, we, we'll participate a little bit. You know, we'll sing and stuff like that. But, I don't, but we're, not, we're not carrying that. We're not taking that to the next generation kind of thing. And we've got to take this responsibility and say, if the kingdom of God is going to move forward, I've got to be the one to do it. I've got to carry this thing. I've got to put it on my shoulders and I've got to move forward. Because that's the only way the kingdom of God truly, that's the way God designed it. It was not designed... <clears throat> The kingdom of God moving forward was not designed to be done by a handful of people called pastors and priests and stuff like that. It wasn't. In fact, that, that's, been a, uh, that's been one of the biggest problems with the church over the years. The big, the, 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 I believe the biggest problem with the church over the years has been the church. It hasn't been the gospel. It's not the kingdom of God. It's not his word. It's not. The problem is, is we let people start deciding all of those things. And when we let people start structuring and deciding all of that stuff, that's where the problem comes in. When we let people start deciding, I've been studying this, and and I've made a bunch of notes for a message. I don't know if it'll ever get to a message, but um, uh, uh, Tyndale, you guys know, Tyndale uh, um, printed the Bible and things like that. He was put in jail because he started printing the Bible in English, he was put in jail, and, and, and Wycliffe, before him, they were put in jail for printing the Bible, and, and one little part that I read is, as, um, I think it was right after Tyndale was arrested, and um, no, it was the day, it was the day he was um, uh, killed, it was the day he was killed for printing the Bible. He was killed by the church for printing the Bible, and the priest gets up that day and says, this is a good day for us because we've, we've taken Tyndale's life. And then they had a Bible burning out behind the church after the, the pastor's message. Now, when we hear that, we go, what? How, how bizarre is that thinking? The Bible is the, the, the point of the church. The Bible is the foundation. The Bible is way more important than leaders in churches. The Bible is way more important than entire denominations or the Catholic church or any other group. The Bible is more important. But they were scared to death that the average person in the church would read it and realize what Jesus really said. They were scared to death. Guys, I think we suffer a little bit from that in in Western society too. In American church, we're scared to death that, that I'm saying church leadership is scared to death that people will say, you mean I can take this thing on my shoulders? I can run with this? I can do this? I know pastors, you guys have heard me say this stuff before. When we have missionaries here and stuff like that, you should be listening. I don't care your age. You should be listening. Maybe God's calling you to a, a foreign mission field. He's calling us all to be witnesses, but maybe he's calling you somewhere else. 
I know pastors that will stay as far away from that as possible because he doesn't want people to leave their church, his church. This is not healthy stuff. And the fact that somebody within the church would start a Bible study or something and it get big and, and, and start developing into its own church, that scares pastors to death. But that's scriptural. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's, what, that's why we, we have the gifts of the Spirit are for all of us, not just for the church leadership. Guys, I know this seems like a little thing. It seems like a little thing maybe to you, but it's not a little thing to me. This is the reason I'm not one of the prayer partners up at the, the front when we have prayer partner times. Because when I was growing up into the, in the church, and even as a young adult, and even as a youth pastor in church, and we still struggle with this in mentalities within the church in certain uh, circles. But when I was growing up, you had to have the pastor or the special speaker or the evangelist or whoever was there. You had to have them lay hands on you and pray for you. you did, did, if you just had a bunch of church people laying hands, that, that wasn't going to do any good. You had to have the anointed person, the real anointed person. Praying for you. Like somehow, I have a special bat phone to God that you don't have. I, I, man, that drives me crazy, those kind of things. We're, you and I are the kingdom of God. We are the priesthood. We are the body of Christ. We are the ones that have the, the gifts of the Spirit. We're the ones that are, that are supposed to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. They're not just for certain people. They're for everybody. We've got to, we've got to get this. So this is the shift that we're making. John chapter 15. The first thing for us to look at is our response to all this stuff that's going on in our society today. I, don't, I think we really... We really have had the power taken away from us to do certain things. I'm seeing all these guys online saying, and, and, I, and I think they're sincere. I think they're wanting to do this, and I'm going to try to help and support anytime I, I can in these kind of things politically or whatever the case is. But all these people saying, okay, they stole the election from us, but we'll take it back in uh, 2022. Are you going to start in Pennsylvania? Is that where you're going to take it back? Is that where your vote's going to count all of a sudden? It's magic that two years from now it will be an honest election? And we, we always talk about the four or five states that, that, are, that were in the limelight. But you guys know that uh, Dominion voting machines were used in some 13 different states? You're saying that, that they didn't do anything illegal in all those other states, only um, the, the contested ones? We... We really have a naive approach to some of this kind of stuff. We, this, this, we have seen, for the first time in our history, we have seen a, the, the complete shift into your, your vote is not the same as it used to be. Oh, you can still go and vote. I don't, I don't know here about Colorado. Your vote may count in Texas. But I would be very suspect in liberal states because it's already been proven it doesn't matter. You can vote somebody in and it will be taken away. So what do we do? You can't do anything, but you can't, you can't like make sure your vote gets, how are you going to make sure your vote gets counted? 
You see what I'm saying? So what do we do? Here's what we have to think about. We pray for justice. We pray for truth. We become the people of God that we need to be. And we begin to tell people about Jesus. And the more we tell people about Jesus, the more we pull them from Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom. And our church, our, our country begins to change. One person at a time. One person at a time. One person at a time. Our country begins to change. The reason that we have um, Kamala Harris as our new president is because uh, our country wanted that more, spiritually, wanted that more than, than we didn't. That's what Scripture says. God puts people in those positions. And so we cried out for that more than we didn't. So, so what do we have to do? We have to cry out to God more. and We have to ask God to do things more. We have to... We have to to tell people about Jesus and help them see the truth. I don't believe that most of the people in our country are thinking the same way as Washington is thinking. I don't think they are. Remember with this statistic, 34% of Democrats knew that the election was corrupt and stolen. Our country's not overall not as corrupt as Washington and Hollywood makes it appear. The average person around us wants truth. I just really believe that, and I, and I, and I just refuse to be uh, convinced differently. The, they want truth. They just got to hear it. So here's our first step is we got to figure out how to come out of the world. You got to figure that out for yourself. We're going to look at some things, but at the end of the day, you got to figure it out. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. <clears throat> now you understand the world when he said it's a big, it's a big statement. It doesn't mean every single person in the world hated Jesus Christ. We know that's not true. We see where they flocked around Jesus. Remember, my, my um, defining scripture pastorally in the New Testament is Luke 15.1. All the worst sinners of society gathered around Jesus to hear what he had to say. So there are, there are people, and, and sinner people, if, however you want to define that. Bad people that really want to know what Jesus has to say. It's not, it's not church people, for the most part, that want to know what Jesus has to say, according to scripture. It's the bad guys. Now... Here's the thing is, as, as his body, as his church, we need to hear, recognize and hear the voice of our shepherd. We need to know his voice and we need to be hungry. We need to be hungry for his word. We need to be hungry for his Holy Spirit. We need these kind of things. And then we need to be able to give these things to other people. But you have to understand, the more you chase after the Lord, the more you're going to be hated by the evil, the, the spirit of Antichrist on this earth. And that's going to include humans. Human people will not like you because of the message of Jesus. This is, if there's anything hopefully we've seen in the last four years of a presidential run on this society is this, un, uh, uh, this strange, weird, hateful attack infatuation with Donald Trump. How you can hate that guy so much... I, I, I didn't like anything Obama stood for. Nothing Obama stood for. Every time he did something, it was the opposite of the way that I looked at things. But I didn't hate him like people hate Trump. I don't hate the man. I believe the man needs Jesus. If he'd get saved, he would like Israel. Here's another thing. Uh, Biden-Harris has already attacked their relationship between us and Israel. They've already done two major moves to try to separate and hurt our relationship with Israel. Why? Because they don't know truth. 
They don't have the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the, the understanding of who Jesus is in their life. If you, if you love Jesus, you're going to love people, you're going to love Israel, you're going to love all these kind of things. I don't hate Obama. I hated everything he did. I don't hate Obama. I want Obama to get saved. I want Obama to stand up sometime publicly on, on CNN would be the best place for it to happen and say, I was wrong. I repent. Jesus is now my Savior, and I was wrong about all this stuff. That's what I want to see. Because Obama needs Jesus just like anybody else. And the idea that people say Obama's a Christian, but Obama's not a Christian. He can't be a Christian to do the things he did. Okay? But it's weird to me, this hate for Trump that people have. Hate. Deep-seated hate. Guys, that's not, that's not biblical. First, it's not biblical in a general sense for any human being. But, but, but you should, and I believe that a lot of the churches realize this, that much hate can't be natural. That's spiritual. They hate Trump so bad because of the spiritual side that, that Satan is trying to manipulate and, and attack and all this stuff. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world hates Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is truth. He's life. He's real love. This is one of the things when people, and I've said this more times than I can count, I believe if people can just see the love of, of Jesus, they would change. They would understand who he is. They would want to serve him. And I, and I still believe that. <clears throat> but I do know that there is a segment of society that are so far gone in their darkness and their sin and their evil that when they see the love of Jesus, it's offensive to them. It's pure love. It's the only pure love that ever exists. But it's offensive to them because they are so trapped. They are, they are so um, uh, demonically manipulated that they can't see it and recognize it and know that this is a positive thing. The world would love you as its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. I've always seen this in a real simple, simple way. Um, you have somebody that's a strong, conservative, uh, morally strong, all this kind of stuff, and the media hates and the media will tear them apart. The moment that they take a step away from that and begin to attack conservatism, and I'm, and I'm talking not necessarily fiscal conservatism, but moral conservatism. When they take a step away from that and begin to attack um, uh, true moral conservatism, it's amazing how immediately the media thinks they're amazing. You ever notice that with politicians and things like that? We hate you as long as you stand for what's right. The moment you start crumbling a little bit, you're all on our side. To me, the best example we have in society today that, that's alive is uh, Mitt Romney. And the media hated him, hated him, hated him. And then the media, when, when he started going over to the dark side and attacking conservatism and attacking moral values and things like that, boy, they embraced him. They loved him. The world will love you as long as you do what the world wants you to do. The... the the spirit of Antichrist will embrace you as long as you are part of that system and that thinking. It's when you stand against it, when you're trying to follow Jesus, that it becomes, uh, you become the enemy. I chose you, uh, first it says, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. This is our, this is our responsibility. We've got to come out of the world. Now here's where I don't exactly know what to do with you with this. Okay? I can't tell you exactly what it means to come out of the world. I can tell you the big things. We understand the, 
the strong scriptural things. You've got to say no to sin. You've really got you really to stand up against sin. And not just say no to it in your own personal life, but do something about it. Push back against sin. Uh, verbalize things. Um, do something in your own personal world, in your own personal life, where it's not just, I'm not letting sin come to me, but you're, but you're working against it. Um, things like uh, get involved in different groups. Like there's, there's tons. We, our, our church here supports Sarah's Home. Get involved in Sarah's Home. They, they, they um, rescue girls out of, out of uh, um, human trafficking, sex trafficking. Things like that where you're saying, I'm not just going to say that's a sin. I'm going to do something to change that, that, that attack of sin somehow. You know, get involved in a, in a, um, in a um, um, pregnancy center kind of thing where you can push back against the, the goofiness and the lies of abortion. Uh, you, you see what I'm saying? There are, okay, come out of the world. Say no to sin. Pursue God. Get in God's word. Those are the things that we know. We know is general for all of us. Tell people about Jesus. That's general for all of us. All of these kind of things. But then there's going to be certain things that you know that the Holy Spirit is working on you about coming out of the world, coming out of the system, the thinking, the process of the world. It's not just... It, 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 see, we have to live in this world. We have to be in this. You can't be a witness unless you're in the world. This is one of the things that, the, that, that I watched, specifically in the holiness groups and the Pentecostal groups when I was growing up, is we were so strong about, and this isn't bad, totally, we were so strong about making sure that we didn't fall into the traps and the temptation of sin that we got so far away from lost people that we couldn't witness to them anymore in our lives, in our relationships, or anything and, and then we started doing the same thing as Scripture said, where, where, these, where the church started attacking in Jesus. Oh, you're hanging out with sinners. I, I watched that as a kid. I watched that as a teenager. You're not allowed to hang out with sinners. Well, if my spiritual walk with the Lord is, is fairly strong, hanging out with sinners is a good thing. Because then I can witness. How are they ever going to get saved if, if we've isolated ourselves? So, so we've got to figure out this balance. What does it mean to come out of the world? The biggest, the biggest thing, the starting point, is the thinking process, the spirit of Antichrist, the, the, um, the, the river that's flowing quickly that is the world, and we've got, to, we've got to swim upstream. We've got to get out of that river, that kind of thing. Well, we recognize there are certain things. For, for example, what I talked about, oh, how long ago was this? Um, six months when the... the um, the pro-abortion evangelicals came out and took a stand and all that kind of stuff. Guys, you, you cannot, you cannot be pro-abortion and be serving Jesus Christ. You cannot be. If you say, now, let's say a brand new Christian or somebody that hadn't processed, I get that. I get that. Well, you're a brand new Christian, you're like, I don't know what I think about this stuff yet. Okay, yeah, that's not what this group was. These were all ministers and things like this. Guys, you can't, you can't be pro pro-murdering babies, and be serving Jesus. There is a disconnect. The Holy Spirit will not let you do that. He will convict. He will pull at your spirit for that. So that's kind of the thing, the system, the thinking of the world. Immediately when the BLM stuff happened, everybody jumped on that. And it became, although BLM, the leaders were Marxists, and they knew they were, that they were trying to start a Marxist movement, and they were hurting um, the black community. They had, they had killed People in the black, they had killed black people in the black community, including black cops and everything else, but they were saying they were pro black um, community, but they weren't. They, they, 
Obviously, as a Christian, you gotta you gotta uh, love black lives. You got to. But here's the thing: the moment that becomes an exclusion to somebody, somebody other other people group, you're now a racist. In other words, what if I say uh, Chinese lives matter? If that is an incorrect statement in today's society, which it is in 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 this in this uh, subculture of of this BLM junk. If I say that, then I'm a racist. Well, here's the thing. So, so Chinese lives don't matter? Is that really what we're saying in our country? Is that really what we're going to say? That Hispanic lives don't matter? That, that Russian lives don't matter? Think about this. But we, but we get caught up in the system. When we're saying come out of the world, this is what I'm talking about. You've got to be able to recognize the spirit of Antichrist for what it is. You've got to be able to push that to one side and say, I'm not going to be a part of those movements. I'm not going to be a part of that stuff. BLM and Antifa are the exact same thing. We've got to be able to push that stuff aside. But it's amazing how immediately so many churches jumped on the BLM. So many Christians jumped on the BLM. So many Christian ministries jumped on the BLM. We have, we have worked at this around here a little bit, um, recognizing certain groups that we have been involved with, church groups, ministry groups, missional groups, and things like that. When they immediately jumped on the BLM, I, uh, as a positive thing, I contacted them and told them, you're out of line. You better pay attention to this. You better look at this. You better go online and figure out who the leadership is and what this really is because you're about to lose a lot of support. You're about to lose a lot of things. And some of them held strong and say, no, we believe this. And we said, okay, then we will no longer support you. Guys, this is serious stuff. We've got to make sure we are not getting caught up in the world system. Because it will destroy you. It'll change your thinking. It'll change your, your, your spiritual walk. It'll change everything. And all of a sudden, you're worshiping at a different altar, and you don't even know for sure when it happened. And we're seeing this kind of stuff. At what point do we say, wait, I am not going to be part of the world? How do you, how do you know that... Um, how do you know the difference? One thing is just pray. Really spend some time praying. Also, do your homework. As I always say, do your homework. You can find truth online. You can. It's becoming more difficult, but you can find it. And here's the next thing. Follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Are these the steps Jesus would take? Are these the steps Jesus would take? Is Jesus going to be helping and enabling and, and codifying and embracing the belief systems of the LGBT community? Or would he be embracing the people and trying to get them out of it? Follow the right footsteps and you'll know. You'll know what you need to do. He says, since they persecuted uh, this is verse, let me start at verse 20. <clears throat> do you remember that what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And we are going farther and farther into that as a society right now. You have to understand, guys, as Christians, we don't have the ability to be neutral anymore. And it's going to get worse and worse. We, we, we've been able to be neutral for a long, long time. In life, in school, in business, and all kinds of stuff, we've been able to be neutral. Be careful because you're, that, that, that liberty has been taken away from you. And we're going to have to start standing up in ways that we never were forced to before. And guess what? There are going to be people that will hate you. What about uh, Mark Lindell with MyPillow? Have you been watching all of that? All of these major companies have just said, we're not doing business with you anymore. He's got a great, um, um, 
thing online. He's got two or three things that I've seen online where he explains all this, when it happened, how it happened, all this kind of stuff. Um, Tanesh D'Souza's got an interview with him. It's toward the end of a podcast that he does. Go and look at that because Mark is an amazing guy. He's an amazing Christian man. And, he's, and he hasn't done anything to hurt anybody. Never done anything to hurt anybody. And man, he is attacked, attacked, attacked. His business is attacked. That, that's where we have got to in our country. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. Sometimes we just get frustrated because nobody's listening. Think about how Jesus felt. Think about how he feels, how he feels every day. They will do all of this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else would do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. They hated Jesus without cause. Well, guess what? They're going to hate you, but there will be a cause. The cause is... You're following Jesus. That's the cause. It's not going to make sense, but that's the cause. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. This is why we pray for justice and truth. The Holy Spirit will bring truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Now, he's talking to the disciples here, but you understand this applies to us too. We also have to testify about him. We don't have the... The, um, the luxury to just not do that. Why? Because the kingdom of God, remember, the kingdom of God is resting on our shoulders. We're taking responsibility for this. If we take responsibility for the kingdom of God, we've got to tell people about it. We've got to really pray. We've got to really pray for our country. You've got to pray for your neighbors. You've got to pray for your coworkers. Why? Because we're taking the responsibility, the kingdom of God, upon us. We've got to take the responsibility. Don't assume somebody else is going to witness to your coworker. You've got to take that responsibility. Don't assume somebody else is going to pray for that person. You've got to take the responsibility. Okay? Second thing, we've got to follow Jesus. Follow his steps. That's how we know. That's how we know we're doing the right things is we're following the steps of Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Now, obviously, this is the last moments. He's talking to the disciples. But, but he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm, now, now's my time. But, but here's what he says that he leaves us with that's very important here. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. This is a, this is a, a truth that I figured out years ago. I didn't figure it out. Um, I heard of this. Um, David Wilkerson, I used to get uh, David Wilkerson's messages, sermons for years, back when it was on cassettes. And then we went to CDs, and then we went to online, and then he passed away about four or five years ago, I think. But, um, I mean, he was, he, was, he was my preacher guy. I mean, I list, he was my pastor guy. I listened to him. My amazing man of God, amazing prophet, amazing, just, just a modern-day, you know, Jeremiah kind of guy. And, and, um, <clears throat> and, he, and he preached this sermon that stuck with me. I kept that cassette for years. And I listened to it for probably, I listened to it probably 20 or 30 times over the years. But basically, the, the point of his message was straight from this little point of Scripture. And he said, nothing 
And our physicalness of life can live unless it dies first. And he's talking about how we think about things, how we, you know, our, our vision for our existence and our life. And, and if you talk to people that God has really done amazing big things with in business or in, in emissions or different things like that, it got to a point where it just wasn't seeming to work and they, they, they had to do something. They had to change. They had to, to, to move somewhere else. They had to, I mean, there's all kinds of elements to this. But basically what happened is that vision died and then God brought it to life. It's amazing how much we try to make things live uh, and we don't have the power to bring something to, to life. Um, we only thing we do is we follow the life giver. We follow Jesus in this. And so look at this. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of our new lives. In fact, when we talk about our Christianity in Romans 12, it says that we're supposed to um, crawl upon God's altar. This is my paraphrase of this. Call upon, crawl upon God's altar and die to self. Romans 12, verse 2, calls it a living sacrifice. And we become dead to us, a living sacrifice. When, when we allow the things that we are thinking and processing, when we are, are willing to lay those on the altar and say, okay, God, burn it up. Kill it. Kill the sacrifice. Burn it up. Then God grows from that something pretty amazing. And he does that in our, in our personal walk. He does that in our spiritual life. All this kind of stuff where... where, where God has given us this direction. He's given us this vision. He's given us this anointing. He wants us to, to serve and do all this kind of stuff. And I really believe for us to really take responsibility for the kingdom, we, we kind of have to let the way we process um, our Christianity be set up on that altar and let God burn up the stuff that's not legit. We bring things to the table, culture, history, all kinds of stuff. We bring things to the table in our Christianity. And I believe that the Lord wants to set that, us to set that on the altar and say, okay, God, here it is. My Christian life, my, my ministry, my, my following you, the, the, the way I serve you. Um, I, I've even seen this with like marriage and stuff like that where people have said, okay, God, I guess my marriage is dead. I put it on your altar and there's nothing I can do and watch God grow an amazing marriage out of that. Because we have to stop trying to be the ones that are in control and that's always the problem for humanity is we want to be the king. We want to be in charge. Instead of saying, okay, God, I hand it to you. I give it to you. I put it on your altar. And he says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Do you see how, what he's saying here? This put this on the altar. As long as you're holding on to your life and you're trying to control it and you're trying to make all the pieces work and you're trying to do it, you're going to lose it. It's, it's, you've got to let your mentality of your life and your Christianity and your existence be, be sacrificed to God, and he will burn up all the stuff that doesn't need to be there. Now, that's not an easy process, not an overnight process. In fact, I think it's an, a lifelong process. I don't think it ever stops. At least with me, it hasn't. Maybe I'm just slower than everybody else, but it just never stops. You've got to constantly be putting that life back on the altar and saying, okay, God, it's not my life. Because why? The moment you try to hold on to your life, the moment you try to bring everything together and you can be in charge and you can be in control from, from, a, from a world perspective, like, like some of the stuff with the politics and everything else, I'm, I'm, I'm watching guys kind of crumble uh, out there because it didn't work out the way they wanted to. It did not work out the way I wanted it to. Not even close. In fact, I was surprised at how we just... Saw the corruption and moved on. I, was, I, can't, I can't process that. 
But here's the thing. I can stay there or I can be who God has called me to be. My responsibility is the kingdom of God first. It's not the United States of America. And I'm pro-American. But my first priority is not America. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. And if I hold on to my life, I'm going to lose everything. By holding on to it, you lose the big picture. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. That's how we have to figure out. What is, how, what is the difference between coming out of the world and, and loving your life in this world? What does that mean? I, I can't explain it for you personally, but the Holy Spirit already knows what he wants to tell you there. Just go there. Ask the Holy Spirit. Talk to him. And I don't, I don't mean like for 15 minutes. I mean spend some time, spend some days, spend some weeks, spend some months saying, Lord, what, 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 what about me? What part of my life am I loving my life in this world? That It's in this world that is the key. How do I come out of it then? How do I come out of this world? I'm still going to be doing my job. I'm still going to be living. I'm still going to be doing stuff. Still, what, I'm still living in there. What, but what, at what point, where do I come out of this world? Where do I come out of this world? And let him show you this. And then the last part of this. <clears throat> Um, those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. This is, this is where I think we come to with this. Is you've got to fall more in love with Jesus than anything else. And that's always our lifelong um, endeavor. This is our tagline, pursue God. You've got to be falling in love with Jesus more than anything. And anytime you feel like something is creeping in, you've got to fall more in love with Jesus. Because that's the only way that you can truly love the world the way that Jesus loved the world, but not be in the world. You can love people. You can love everyone. That's the third part of this, is to love everyone. The only way that we can truly love everyone the way Jesus wants us to love everyone is to, to love and be loved by Jesus completely. And that means you've got to separate. There's a love attachment to things in our lives, and you have to learn to separate from that. The love attachment, separate, separate, separate. Um, can you... Can, can, you know, I, I know some people that are just so... And this is, this is where things like um, the um, lottery gets so powerful. Some people, their whole goal in life is just to have lots and lots of money. Which is weird because almost everybody that uh, wins a lottery within five years, they're broke again. Did you know that? That's weird. Um, it's, not, it's not loving things of the world. That's going to destroy us. Loving the stuff of the world. Um, that's where we have to say, okay, God, how do, I, how do I truly love you so that I can love other people? Really love other people. Love them to truth. Love them to forgiveness and freedom from the, the bondages of sin. Love them to Jesus Christ, not to yourself, not to the things. Truly say, okay, then I, I love, I love everyone. So um, why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> I really have been processing this love everyone kind of thing. <clears throat> There's a whole group of people right now in Washington that I'm really struggling to love. Really struggling. And, um, and, I, and I'm saying that honestly. I'm, I, I'm not joking. I'm confessing that. That's a real thing. Because the scripture doesn't say love them because they agree with you. It, it says love them because they were created in God's image. You've got to love them got to love them. You know, and part of the deal with me is not even the Biden and the next president, Harris. It's not those people that I struggle. I mean, I'm struggling with those people. You have no idea. 
But it's like the McConnells that act like they were on the good guy side. Those are the, those are the ones that, man, I don't, I don't want to sit down and have a conversation with Biden, but I do with McConnell. He sold, he sold out truth. He sold it out. So here's my deal with this. God still says I got to love those people. And, um, and if for no other reason I walk forward in that, it's not because of a feeling. It's because I want to be obedient to the Lord. Jesus loved everybody. He died on the cross for everybody. If Jesus is dying on the cross for these people, it is my responsibility to love them to him. Because he's giving his blood for them and it's waiting there. His blood has been poured out and it's waiting there for these people. I've got to love them. I've got to love them. This is, this is one of the interesting things. Uh, if, you, if you read the um, story of Bonhoeffer, because he talks about this, this, this tension between loving people that he knows are destroying people's lives and, and, and the kingdom of God and all this, but you still got to love them and, and, and serving God with the right heart and the right attitude. There's a tension there. So I want us to pray for this. I want us to pray, God, we, we just need, we need you to help us. Show me. Guys, don't be passive about this. Please don't be passive about this because some of the things that are coming up in our near future are going are gonna to demand that you process this right here. What does coming out of the world mean? Right? Let's pray. Lord, we, we submit this moment right now to you, God. I believe this is a divine appointment moment. I believe this is a... Um, this is a, a heaven and, and, and a hell and us, you know, somewhere in the middle of that thought process. And Lord, we've got to figure out through your presence, through your Holy Spirit and through your word, we've got to figure out for us personally what it means to come out of the world. Lord, we know the big stuff. Lord, we will, we're, we're going to stand against sin. We're going to live in your word. We're going to pray we're going to pray in the Spirit. We're going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to, to earnestly seek all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, I believe that, you're, that you've got a plan. I, I know you do. That you speak to all of us individually about coming out of the world. So Lord, show us what that means. Show us what that means. To separate ourselves from the stuff that Satan uses to manipulate us. To separate ourselves from the mindsets and the attitudes Sometimes pride, rebellion, whatever it is that causes us to try to hold on to things that, that will hinder our relationship with you. So God, give us wisdom. I just plead your Holy Spirit over us right now. Lord, show us the stuff. Show us the things that must be different right now. God, we will not be part of the system of this world. We will not be part of the the, the system that is being fueled by the spirit of Antichrist. Lord, we're not, we're, we're not going to be a part of it, so guide us with this. Lead us. Show us what we need to do. Show us what our next step in you is, Lord Jesus, as we follow you. God, help us to, to pursue you, to fall more in love with you every day. And Jesus, I believe the more we fall more in love with you, the more that we fall in love with lost souls. So let that happen. <clears throat> Stir our life with all of this. In Jesus' name. God, speak to us this week. Speak to us this week. 
Show us things that need to change this week. Start speaking right now, Lord God. As we drift off to sleep tonight, that we will be processing and you'll be showing us stuff. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So do something with this, obviously. <clears throat> do something with this. Plan a time. Plan a, it's, it's something. I don't know how you, everybody's different. But put you some ideas down. Okay, I'm in the evenings. I'm going to spend, you know, 30, 40 minutes just really talking to God, God, about this specifically. Spend some time. Put, put your, build your little calendar. Put your reminder in your phone. Reminder, pray for yourself, you know, that kind of thing. And God will show you. God will speak to you. God will lead you. But you've got you to gotta be proactive. You can't just pray here and then go and then just pretend like nothing's happened. Be proactive and God will, God will show you. God will show you. So for before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Tell somebody this week how big he is, how amazing, how full of love and grace he is, and God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they are here on this beautiful sunny day, and uh, we will see you Wednesday night.